Okay. Let's go to today's message. We have been dealing with the mountains of influence. And I'll give you the two main scriptures, a brief background for those who were not there. So like I say, this revelation didn't come from me. There is a man called Bill, Bill Wright. Bill Wright. And another man called Lauren Cunningham. Now here's what was interesting. They met for the first time. And when they met, they both had the same dream. And the dream had to do with the mountains of influence. And it's something that theologians who I respect have adopted. And having read through, I am very much at peace with it. And it's something that personally I've adopted as well. So I want us to see Revelations chapter 17 from verse... Um, from verse, let's see from verse 5, 6, 7, just for the sake of context. Today we'll be hitting another mountain, you'll see. Okay, so now let's start from context. Where can we start from? Verse 1, maybe? Just for context. So, Revelation 17, from verse 1. One of the seven angels who had the seven bows came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Now, a harlot is simply a prostitute. Let's go on. With whom the kings of the earth committed fornications, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of a fornication. Fornication is always symbolic of an exchange, okay? It's a oneness. So the kings of the earth decided to become one with this harlot. And the inhabitants of the earth became one with this harlot. Let's go on. He carried me away into the spirit, into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Are you seeing that? Let's go on. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls and having her hand in a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. So this woman is filthy. She's blasphemous and all those things. And the kings of the world decide this is the woman we become one with and the inhabitants of the world start becoming one with this woman. And I was telling you that you can see this in our time. Because you can see the perversion that is beginning to hit every system. How a person can be given a Nobel Prize for changing their gender. That, that, that's a big issue. You know, there, there are places where they've just run out of what to do. They've really run out of what to do. In, in certain countries, they're debating whether they should have, like, whether they should really put boy or girl on the toilets because some people are offended because they are male but they identify as female and some people are female but they identify as male and then this and this so you're, you're offended people have run out of what to do my goodness they're bored that are, are you seeing the kind of stuff that's happening yeah now let's go on and on her forehead a name was written mystery babylon the great the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. If you study on Babylon, you notice uh, you can trace this back to the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel is when human beings decided it's our way, not God's way. Remember, they said, let us build for ourselves. Let us make our name great. So 
Babel is all, shows us when human beings develop systems without God, when you try to remove God out of the system. And I'm telling you, when you remove God from systems, things go wrong. Okay, let's go on. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Next verse. The angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. Uh-huh. The beast you saw was and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit to go into perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose name are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not yet is. We're not going into that one. Next verse. Now, this is the part where we're getting our topic from. And here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Now, biblically, mountains are also symbolic of realms. They are symbolic of spheres. So we're talking about seven mountains on which this woman is sitting. Hallelujah. And like I said, a revelation came to the body of Christ that there are seven mountains of influence. And interestingly enough, even the social sciences borrow from us and they tell us there are seven mountains uh, of culture. I'm telling you, you, you learn that in your sociology. Seven mountains of influence. Now, there's a prophecy that's given in the book of Isaiah. Chapter number two. From verse one. Isaiah chapter two from verse one. I think you've given me verse ten. Okay. So, Isaiah two from verse one. The Bible tells us about something that will happen in the latter days. The Bible says the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Uh -huh. It shall come to pass in Frederick's days. Hallelujah. <laughs> it shall come to pass in the latter days. Somebody say in the latter days. That the mountain of the Lord's house will be established upon the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. There's a prophecy that's given that it shall come to pass in the latter times that the mountain of the Lord's house, and you know the mountain of the Lord's house, it's Mount Zion. The Bible says we've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. Now, this mountain shall be established above all the mountains. Jesus is not going to come back for a weak church that's just waiting. No, 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 no. He's coming back for a victorious one. Hallelujah. Have you noticed even when the signs of the last days are given, it ends by saying this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all nations. So meaning the greatest sign is the gospel of the kingdom being preached in all nations. It says then the end shall come. So it shall be established on the top of the mountains. Give me the next verse. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. We had a bit of a prototype of this. Have you observed, they may not all have been born again, but generally, have you observed that there was a period on the earth when the dominant forces 
all ascribed to Christianity. The dominant forces on earth, the British Empire. Have you heard the British national anthem? That national anthem is a prayer. Have you heard it? How does it start? God save our glorious queen. Na, 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 na. God save the queen. Send her victorious, happy and glorious. Second verse, O oh Lord our God, arise. Scatter her enemies. I, I, <laughs> I don't know if you're getting my point. And you observe that a number of practices, ethics, and all these things that you see in most systems were gotten from Christian principles. And now people are rising up and they want to take God out of the schools. They want to take God out of the streets. They want to take God out of places. We are not going to allow that. Because we've been given a prophetic word to fight with. That in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established above all the mountains. So the first mountain we looked at was the mountain of religion. What we are saying, Christianity has to be the dominant religion. It has to be. And we do this through so winning. Everyone must be a preacher. Hallelujah everyone must be a preacher but i gave you a caution towards the end that it, it, it wouldn't make sense if all of us are fighting for this pulpit it wouldn't make sense first of me i also fight i enjoy this in case you've not noticed hallelujah it wouldn't make sense and that's the trouble that <laughs> it's interesting if you have to look at people you'll find there are some people who belong on this pulpit who are somewhere else and then there are some people who are on the pulpits who we are supposed to be somewhere else. Hallelujah. And it's because there's this notion that came about that the reason God gives men of God is to solve your problems. Now, as much as they can help solve problems, that's not their primary role. If you've read your Ephesians, it tells us for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. Meaning everyone is supposed to do ministry. Everyone is supposed to do ministry. And the reason God gives you powerful apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors is so that you can do the work of ministry. Question is where? Somebody say glory to God. So we looked at the mountain of religion. Then last week we looked at the mountain of the family. We, we showed how the family is the first agent of socialization. It's the first agent that teaches people how to relate with the world. Glory to God. And today we are looking at a very interesting mountain and it's no coincidence that today we are looking at the mountain of education. <laughs> Hallelujah. The mountain of education. Now, I'll start with a few definitions and we will go further. We're looking at the mountain of education. It's a mountain we have to conquer. I'll let you know why soon. Let's define it, eh? Let's define it. So now education, it's a process of facilitating learning or the acquisition of knowledge, skills, values, beliefs, and habits. So it's a process by which learning is facilitated. As I'm speaking right now, you know there's education happening here. There's education happening. And there are different ways in which people educate, not so. There's education that comes by. I think we did this in one of our leadership seminars. Do you remember? Sometimes we educate through teaching. 
right? Which is where you explain things, you explain theories, you explain concepts. Jesus spent a long time teaching. Jesus could teach and teach and teach and teach. He was an educator. He educated the world on the kingdom of God. And interestingly enough, Jesus educated us on so many things. If you are to read the teachings of Jesus, you will find banking. You will find saving. You will find... Imagine one time he says, make friends using worldly mammon. He's telling you how to use money. Another time um, he says, be as cunning as a snake. Imagine Jesus tells you to be as cunning as a snake and he tells you to be as harmless as a dove. Jesus taught many things. As a matter of fact, when I was starting to pastor, before I started pastoring, I was known really for teaching one topic. Not so. However, you remember, I was mainly known for one topic. Which topic was that? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. Now, when I was starting to pastor, I tried. Now, I found myself running short of what to say. <laughs> and this is the verse God gave me. Mark 6, verse 34. I want you to see this. In case someone wonders, Pastor, why aren't you preaching the message of repentance every week? How if the people are born again? <laughs> the Bible says, Jesus, when he came out, saw a multitude that was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. How many things did Jesus teach them? Many things. And then when he gives a great commission, interesting enough, he doesn't say go win souls. He says, go make disciples. And he says, teaching them what I have taught you. So the great commission is not complete if we just win souls. We have to do something with the souls we've won. We have to make disciples so they can also go make disciples who can make disciples. We have to produce after our kind. Hallelujah. So he began to teach them many things. I think I got to understand why Dr. Mao's uh, Monroe would say things like, when a leader reads a book, the whole organization has read it. That's why he would say such things. Because you've, in any leadership role we give you, you've got a capacity to teach. You've got a responsibility to share with others what you've learned. So education can take place through teaching, you know, explaining and the like. Let's see, what's another way education can take place? Uh, drilling. You know drilling? We've had some people here who've trained for the army before, right? I think some are not here. Now with drilling, it's where you, it, you do a routine over and over and over again until people are perfected in it. That's drilling. Okay? Um, okay. What are the other methods again? I've forgotten. Instructing. This is why I just tell people do this. Then there is conditioning. Conditioning is interesting. This is where you use rewards and punishments to teach someone. For example... I think there was, is it Pavlov who did that? Where he got a dog and he would go with a bell and then give it food. What started happening is now, even when he doesn't go with food, when he goes with a bell, the dog would start salivating because it was conditioned to accustom a bell to food. Hallelujah. Haven't you noticed when you listen to certain songs, they can bring about a certain emotion. When I listen to Waymaker, automatically the the moment i listen to waymaker i go back to that WEM conference how many of you remember it i go back to that conference when there was that boy who was deaf 
and dam. And also that other one where there was that boy who could not walk. And some of you don't know what was going on in my head. In my head I was thinking, that's the channel, you know. Instead of worshipping in your head, you're singing, Vala tu daddy. And then I remember Alice began singing, You are here. <laughs> Bending broken bones. <laughs> and I sensed, move. Hallelujah. And I knew, okay, something big is going to happen. So, you can also come to a place, you know, you can, you can train yourself. You can condition your heart to respond a certain way to things. You can condition your heart that the first, when you hear sickness, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is heal. When you hear death, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is life. When men say there's a casting down, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is there's a rising up. Hallelujah. That's why I love the word of God. Because it makes you what it talks about. Amen. So you can condition yourself in that way. And various other forms of learning. We are going somewhere, so let me, let me take my time. So education can be formal. You know, you go to a class, you learn over and over again. Maybe that they give you something certified and it's recognized. Maybe a degree, PhD, master's, diploma, certificate, grade 12 certificate, all those things. That's formal education. Education can also be informal. I'll give you an example. Last year, it may not surprise you that I was the top scorer for the City of the Lord Church football team. Uh, I bagged about seven goals in four games. That's world class. That, that's world class form in Wemantu. That's world class. Hallelujah. Now, <laughs> you know, it wasn't easy. Right now, if you want, I can describe for you all seven goals. I remember them. But it is well. I, I don't want to uh, make you hate your football teams because they may not be playing as well as me. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, something interesting happened. I remember. Uh, I really wanted to score. So I would talk to the footballers before the game and they would like weeks before and they would tell me do this do this do this so i remember one time i think i was training with max and he was teaching me how if the ball comes like this hit it with your knee like this and shoot i said okay do you know that's informal education it's not a formal setting it's not in a classroom setup no one will give you an award for it but then the very next game, I think that's the one we won 6-3. I think that's the one where I think the first goal, Edward was tackled for a penalty. Then The second one, as though it's a joke, guess how the ball came to me? Right like that. And without thinking, I automatically did this and shot it. That was informal education. I was informally educated. Hallelujah. So there's the aspect of informal education. Then there's non-formal. It may not it may not be as organized as a classroom. It can be like a leadership seminar and all that stuff. You may not be able to put it on your CV that you attended a leadership seminar, but it's got a certain level of organization. All these three, we must pursue them. All these three, we must pursue them. You'll see when I go on later. But here's what I'm appealing. When you get a chance to ensure that you improve yourself in terms of your education, 
it could be somebody in this place maybe you're saying oh pastor you're talking about degrees and whatnot i haven't even managed to get grade 12 my grade 12 results are really bad go and be right you may be saying it will be embarrassing don't worry me i won't laugh i will celebrate with you we even throw a party hallelujah no come on at the end of the day, I'm telling you, once everything is in place, no one will say that this one, it took four years, this one, it took one year. You, you have the same level. So if you missed out on that opportunity, go back and do it. I know some people right here who circumstances beyond their control, they couldn't go beyond maybe grade 9 or grade 10. We've encouraged them, we've helped them, and they're going back and they'll be writing soon, and they're going to pass, all of them. I'm telling you. So you have to do that. Then, also pursue the informal. There are certain things you can learn just by having a conversation with someone. It may never go down on a CV that you had a conversation with Bill Gates, but my friend, <laughs> 10 minutes with him, you might probably know one or two secrets about being a billionaire. Pursue it. And the Bible says submitting to one another. There's always something you can learn from someone because people are unique. I mean, there's the non-formal settings. I mean, come on. You are, you are interested in being a big somebody. You're interested in being a big person in life. You hear there's an entrepreneurship seminar. It's going at a hundred kwacha. You go for a movie. Nothing wrong with going for movies, but come on. You, you can't invest in yourself. Last year, I made one of the best decisions I could make. I attended an advanced leadership seminar, uh, being facilitated by Pastor Cholwe, and it was under the John Maxwell program. My thinking changed. My thinking absolutely changed. And I noticed it didn't just benefit me, it benefited you all. We really have to learn to invest in ourselves. If you value yourself, you will invest in yourself. There are some people right now, you've been working for a while. Perhaps your salary is quite good. And in the goodness of that salary, surely you've never removed like a one pin just to attend something, it, it, just a training. Project management, they're offering it for two weeks, 850 quarter. You can't just attend just to improve yourself. Come on, somebody we need to be improving everyone needs to be improving I'm talking like this because I know how big the vision is the vision is big and I'll tell you this um, any country that you go to any country that you go to you will find a church which is African and usually it's Nigerian usually it's nigerian any country you'll find as in nigerians can survive anywhere <laughs> listen you may have one or two things against one or two of them but i can tell you those are some of the hardest people in the world they can survive any condition and do you know their passport to open in churches in many nations it's academics so we just say, okay i want to open a church in that nation you go and do school there as they are learning they're also building the gospel. They're learning, they're building the gospel. It's either academics or business. You'll find them with a shop anywhere. Anywhere you'll find them with a shop. Everyone is afraid of South Africa, they will open a shop. Right there where everyone <laughs> I'm telling you. 
So with how far we are going, there are nations where we shouldn't wait for invites. We should invite ourselves. I don't know if you're getting my point. And there's a certain realm of influence and a certain realm of finances we need to reach to start inviting ourselves to places. Well, we say, let's just do a three-month project. Let's invite ourselves to that nation. How are you coming? You apply, you're coming as a tourist. As a tourist, they want a certain level of money in your bank account. We say, check. As a matter of fact, we can offer you two bank accounts. Listen, for, for the work that we want to do, we have to think big and we have to be big. We've got a lot of work. Tell your neighbor, roll up your sleeves. <laughs> okay. Now, here is why we can't ignore the education sector. The trouble that we've had as believers is that we've become so good at complaining. Like everything is, oh, the systems, eh, the systems, eh, the harlot is seated on the mountains. So what must we do? Let's hide in a little corner and let's just meet in this building called church and just say, oh, Lord, I can't wait for you to come back. And we just sit in that corner as the system, as, as, as the worldly people are taking over the systems. Have you seen how loud those who are propagating homosexuality, have you seen how loud they are about it? They are loud about such a foolish thing. As we are afraid, no, no, let's not offend others. My goodness. Okay, let's go on. Now, why education is important is this. After the family, the next agent that socializes people. Socialization is simply introducing people to society. Society is everything that you see. The next agent that socializes people is the education sector. And to be honest, with the busyness of life, for most people, they are raised either by the nanny first, and then their pre-grade teacher. Oh, don't look down upon the pre-grade teachers. Don't look down upon someone who's teaching baby class. They are giving children the foundation that they need. I was first exposed to preaching because I had a very good Sunday school teacher and she identified that I could preach. And she managed to negotiate for me to stand before the church and the first time it was bad. Guess what she did? I was there the next week again because she identified that. So don't look down upon people who've got a ministry with children. As a matter of fact, we need more people who've got a ministry with children. We need that. Because can you imagine, those are the people who are forming the values in the child from a very young age. So the education system is the one that introduces us to the world. It's an agent of socialization. We cannot leave it alone when it's the one that's introducing people to the world. Some of you may be thinking here, hey, how come there can be terrorist groups like um, ISIS and all these things? Why can a person think it's normal to go out and do suicide bombing and shoot? Most of those you discover they are fathered by the people there and then they are educated. That's all they've been taught. That's all they know. From a young age, their consciences are seared. And you find that's all they have been taught. And even when you try to reason with them, for many of them, that's all they've been taught. That's why someone once said in a movie, I don't negotiate with terrorists. Hallelujah. <laughs> so that's all they've been taught. They've been drilled to think like that. You may not know it, but education can change your thinking. 
it, 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 it introduces you to your view of the world at all levels from primary to secondary to tertiary and all those it introduces you to your view of the world let's be honest even in terms of I think next week we'll be talking about the aspect of government. Even in terms of, let's say, people are busy talking, hey, subsidy, hey, subsidy. Those who actually know what it means might probably respond differently. So it introduces you to a view of the world. It's a primary agent of socialization. You know this is white, you know that is red, you know that is blue. Okay, you know what? I praise God for those who teach kids. I don't know how they manage. This is, how do they start from this is one, this is one, this is two. My God. And that just shows you how God has made human beings. From a young age, they can grasp so many things. Somebody say glory. And the world has been designed in such a way that people spend most of their time being educated rather than being at home. And then after that, they spend most of their time practicing what they've been educated rather than being at home. We really have homes for, for the sake of it. For a number of people, you may not know, but your nanny watches the TV more than you do. <laughs> like the home usually lives by itself. Like it's, it's interesting. Eh? We just come back to sleep and wake up. And let's be honest, some people just come back home to sleep and wake up. And <laughs> now I'm just remembering to my things. You know how we were told, just concentrate on school. Concentrate on either your grade 9 or your grade 12 or something like that. Afterwards, you have all the time to play. <laughs> you play two or three days. So this is all you do. Huh? You can't read a book. <laughs> But you told me you <laughs> somebody say glory so do you know that we spend most of our time being educated do you know do you know that there are some people in this let's be honest do you know that you'll find in a week you've listened to your lecturer more than you've listened to me oh that has got a new thinking eh? you know people will spend more hours with their teachers than they will spend sometimes with their parents. So we can't leave the education system alone. And afterwards, you spend most of your time practicing what you've been taught. The whole world has been built around this system. We can't leave it alone. We cannot ignore it. Let's continue. So three things that are involved then. Then we'll go to something more interesting, eh? So remember, with education, what's involved? There's transference of knowledge. Sciences, theories, interesting courses like development and, 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 and such interesting courses. But generally, knowledge is transferred through education. And that's important because you're not going to survive in this world without having knowledge about certain things. What else is transferred through education? Skills. Not so. How does someone learn how to, let's say, practice medicine or practice law or to fix a car or to build up a phone? All those things are transferred through education. So meaning if you're saying in Zambia we are not producing this, 
but in this other country they are producing this then what's the first thing you must look at is the education practical that's the first thing you have to look at you want zambia to produce mobile phones before we come to the marketing and the advertising aspect have you made the education system practical enough for mobile phones to be produced hallelujah so it, it's really about is it practical and here is a part which will, re, which will really get to you education also transfers values it transfers values you know that haven't you noticed almost every field you study will have something called ethics 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 what are those ethics about values even the informal setup even the non-formal setup will transfer values some of you read that article that was there recently about how there have been 8,500 divorces in Lusaka alone. In, in, in how long? In 10 months, there have been 8,500 divorces. That's from the court, right? So you can imagine how many have not hit the court because some people were not married in court. So there's been about 8,500 divorces. That tells you that there's something about the value system. And... To be honest, it shouldn't really surprise you, should it? I'll tell you why. It shouldn't surprise you because, number one, the men are not taught anything, are they? Our system has not really provided for men to be taught much. You now see where the church has to come in. It has not really provided to, for men to be taught. Men are assumed to automatically be strong and because they are the head of the house. So as far as they're concerned... Everyone must just submit to them in fear. Okay, they've forgotten the part that talks about love. About them loving the church. Loving their wife like, has, like Christ loved the church. And then what have women been taught? Let me see if I can read this quote. If I read it wrongly, bear with me. Uchende wamwaume tawupasanganda Have I read it rightly? I've tried, eh? You know what that means? The unfaithfulness of a man won't ruin a home. And I'll tell you, no, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you as we speak, you're undergoing the traditional marriage teachings. Some of you have been taught things. Even if he does this, his unfaithfulness won't ruin your home. Even if he does this, even if he does this, does it surprise you that there are a lot of people beating each other up now? And I'll tell you this, and for me, I speak with all humility and with all honesty. I know we've got parents here and we've also got parents watching. Some will be listening later. And we've also got future parents. Certain traditions, we have to really take a good look at them. Because there are many people who are talking about our generation being one of the worst. Now, is that a failure on our generation to listen? Or could it also reflect a failure to be taught? Because the Bible says train up a child in a way it should grow. And to be honest, I've done a lot of counseling. I've done a lot of counseling of young people. Majority of them have not come from happy homes. So they've learned it. They've already seen it. And they are now manifesting it. Majority have not come from happy homes. Because there are certain things that were taught which were not able to be sustained as society began to move forward. And people began to know, hey, so I've got the right to this. I've got the right to be happy. I've got the right to peace. I've got the right to this. So education also transfers values. 
imagine if from a young age the young men are drilled to say the reason you are strong is to protect if they are drilled from a young age to say true manliness is not having so many people women are not possessions imagine what would happen imagine if from a younger stage the ladies are drilled to say you are more valuable than money you are more valuable than an iphone 11 it can run out of fashion. You, you can't run out of fashion. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Imagine if people are drilled like that. You know, you talk to someone and you can tell there's a way they've been educated to think. The moment their vocabulary can entertain certain things, you can tell there's a way they've been trained to think. I remember someone comes to me and says, Ah, I passed, I don't know what to do. I've been considering, you know, maybe having one or two blessers. You can tell education. There's a way they've been educated because education also has to do with values. It has to do with values. And so that's why when a person comes to church, we have to teach them because there are certain things they need to learn and certain things they need to unlearn. Hallelujah. Some things need to be unlearned. Hallelujah. I'm saying this because, look, let's not pretend that everyone came from a perfect home. Some people have seen the wrong things. They've, there are certain things they've seen wrongly. Remember last week I taught forgive, honor. But that doesn't mean you have to copy and paste everything. Somewhere a change has to come. Hallelujah. Somewhere a change has to come. And remember, we are the next ancestors. As we speak, you are an ancestor. Hallelujah. Far be it from you. Should the Lord tarry, far be it from you that one of your generations should have to be going about seeking prayers because of you. It should be, your story should be that when one of your generation meets a man of God, they'll say, you, there's something about you. There are prayers which were made about you a hundred years ago. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> there's a preservation that has always been on your life. There's just, there's a path that has been set for you. You've had a John the Baptist in your life who cleared the way. I don't know if you're getting my point forbid from you so people have been educated wrongly so even as i'm talking i really want you to there's a series that i once taught called take heed what you hear that which you believe who told you god asked adam saying you know adam was like i was naked so i didn't do this adam god was like, who told you that who told you so that which you believe what's your source of belief no if you don't sleep with him, he will leave you. Look at those other five people. Why, why did they leave you? Who taught you that? Who taught you? Who taught you that that's how... That's how... No wonder Paul... Notice something. When Paul was correcting the church on sexual immorality, have you observed that his teaching, interestingly, interestingly, by the way, I, I, I do agree with a number of teachings on certain things like... I do know that some of these things have got demonic effects. There are things like soul ties and all those things. I, I, I can see some scripture reference for them. But interestingly, when Paul is teaching the church on that, what's the first thing? He, what does he do? He questions their value system. He says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? It's like they were educated wrongly. It's like there's something they didn't know. They didn't know how valuable it was to be a temple and how valuable it was to be God's temple. And to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. There was something wrong with their value system. You may be listening to me. And you've had trouble with your value system. Or you've come to the right place. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> because I can tell you that the mountain of the Lord is prevailing above all those things. 
and that knowledge which you've had which is against the knowledge of god which is destroyed in jesus name but that's why you need to take take church seriously you know you've had trouble living you want to come to church once every month come on okay let's go on <laughs> i've not even gone far so there is also the aspect of values there's an aspect of values I've had discussions with some of the elders here. I asked them a lot of questions. I was asking them, so from let's say our traditional setup, what should we agree with? What shouldn't we agree with? And they've told me certain things privately. That's why I can have the boldness to talk like this. They said, this, yes, this, uh -uh. And that's why you know what they've been doing? For any person who's getting married, they've been saying, if you want to come with me, I'll go with you for the teachings. I'll say, ah, this we agree. This we don't agree. Because sometimes it's also an aspect of values. It's an aspect of values. Ask your neighbor, what are your values? And what's your source of values? You may not know this, but even during a class, you pick up many habits. So now, our next part really is, why should Christians be educated? Why do we want Christians educated? Give me Daniel chapter 1 verse 4. Daniel chapter 1 verse 4. Let's start for, for context, maybe verse 3. Dela, why should you be educated? The king, now this was in Babylon, interesting. The king instructed that guy, Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Look at the next verse. Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand. Give me the King James. And please, I'm giving you permission for these few minutes. Should I somehow maybe quote it wrongly just shout the loudest no okay so this is what the king of babylon asked for children in whom there was no blemish but well favored very prayerful okay are you sure <laughs> can speak tongues like a bazooka People who could work miracles. The most accurate in the prophetic. Wait, are you serious? Very nice people in their heart. Okay, so it says, cunning in knowledge and understanding science. Now, we do know, was Daniel prayerful? Yes. Was Daniel prophetic? But what took him to the king? He understood science. Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen, there are kings who are not looking for the next prayerful person. They are looking for someone who can make a spray that can prevent asthma. <laughs> and if we are going to dominate the world, we must have what they want. 
and such as had ability to stand in the king's palace let's be honest on those job applications do you write how prayerful you are oh by the way i love prayer i'm a very prayerful man but what i'm trying to tell you is that that doesn't mean the world likes it god looks at the heart man doesn't that's why we tell people please you know you're in that season where you're believing god for something good hallelujah god looks at the heart man doesn't hallelujah no i'm just here for the lord please hallelujah god looks at the heart man looks at the outside let's be honest that's where man starts from so many of uh, be wise be as cunning as a snake but as harmless as a dove so that your dressing should be harmless as a dove hallelujah and so it says skillful in all wisdom cunning in knowledge yeah? we call for a leadership seminar you are the best dress okay cunning in knowledge Fred, just forget that topic cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had the ability to stand in the king's palace whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. the Chaldeans were really respected so he was saying give me people it was like a scholarship these are the people who stand before me but i need people who can understand concepts then i'll teach them these things so i don't want you to think that all daniel used to do was prophesy probably the majority of time he was doing his job but look he found himself in the circle of the king he found himself in the king's circle what was the secret to him finding himself in the king's circle education so why do christians need to be educated number one education introduces you to the world i mentioned this before i want you to i want you to hear this you cannot dominate a world you don't understand i'll say it again you cannot dominate a world you don't understand there was a time when televisions were invented christians christians i'm talking about spirit-filled believing christians came out and said television is the devil's toolbox christians were banned from watching tv but then there were some who saw it as an opportunity one of them was a man named Oral Roberts. It doesn't surprise you that Oral Roberts is more famous than all those other people who thought it was a devil's toolbox. There was a time, I'm told, there was such a mindset in Zambia as well. Then there was a man named Dr. Never Spumbo who said, hey, oh, television, opportunity, Zambia shall be saved. We all remember that line. We all watched that. So think about this. Worldly folks know that ah television we can reach more people then they're not seeing a tv they're not seeing who made it they are seeing the people they can reach and they decide to use it he say no uh let us no are you getting my point when some years ago the number of sermons i heard preaching against social media oh my god the number of sermons i heard against social media hey these social medias have just come to ruin life almost all the people i heard preaching that they're very active on social media right now because that's where the people are hallelujah that's where the people are so you cannot dominate a world you don't understand i was looking at our podcasts uh, and the people who were listening who had a huge percentage from zambia we've, we've had south africa we've had netherlands we've had kazakhstan and all those things 
Praise God. Do you know how much it costs to do a podcast? Nothing. <laughs> you just, it, 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 the difference between doing, a, doing it, the difference before, between before we started doing it and after we started doing it was just knowledge. We just didn't know how. Ah, is somebody getting my point? So you cannot dominate a world that you don't understand. You have to understand how the world thinks. It gives you an advantage. I'll tell you something. There is a way I can present myself before someone who I know this person has studied like this, they think like this. There's a way I can get them to think a certain way. I know how to. You can't dominate a world you don't understand. Is somebody getting me? So education introduces us to the world and we cannot dominate a world we do not understand. What else does education do? Education makes you relevant. Look at, look at Daniel chapter 1 verse 4. Now, um, one of my mentors is always saying this and I really agreed with it. He was saying for a long time as preachers, we made a mistake. Sometimes we'll do it unknowingly but would always say, it's not about your education. It's not. But what we didn't know is that we're, sometimes we're breeding a mindset in people's heads. Let's just sit now. Let's just not do anything. Guys, it's not about our education. Hallelujah. For Daniel, it was about his education. Hey. <laughs> so education can increase your relevance. What am I trying to say? Am I trying to say that you can't get, let's say, a job simply because God has favored you? You can. Here is my caution to you. If God gives you a job miraculously and it's above your qualifications, the moment you get that job, start improving yourself. Hey, has somebody got me on that one? Don't remain on the same level. Stay relevant. As the other ones say, you need to stay woke. Hallelujah. Hey, I thought the young adults would be excited by that. Ain't you glad I've introduced you? <laughs> so stay relevant. That's what it does. Do you know that the biggest difference between those who make it and those who don't, one of the, from research, one of the biggest is just simply staying relevant. There was a company called Blockbuster. How many of you remember it? They even had a place at arcades, right? And people could go there to rent DVDs from the latest movies. Blockbuster received a visit from a company called Netflix. And Netflix went to them and told them, saying... Um, Let's join together. You've got a name. We can run an online platform. Apparently, Netflix were laughed out of the office. As we speak, Blockbuster is out of business. Guess who put them out of business? Netflix. Why? They stayed woke. <laughs> they stayed relevant. So, education puts you at a place where you can be more relevant, where you can be more noticed. I won't mention who because they are now a very, very powerful member here. I remember receiving a call one time, I think early this year. Hello! I'm like, hello? Yeah, and the person is like, you know what? I've had so many questions about Christianity, but I've been looking for a pastor who's educated because I don't want to be lied to. I laughed in my heart. So I got your number. I taught them the word. Afterwards, I taught them not to look down on any other pastor no matter what. What am I trying to say? There are people who only notice you because you've been awarded something by their system. I'm telling you, there are people who only notice you because of that. 
I remember I was once invited to speak at a book launch. And for the first time, I was speaking to an audience that didn't really know me. And it wasn't necessarily a religious book launch. So I went, I was called to the front. We're now inviting Pastor Frederick. Woo! There was one woo in the audience. I am not church. They spoiled me a bit. Hallelujah. You know how it is here. Yeah. Sometimes I have to tell you, hey, my guys. Oh. <laughs> and so I go to the front. And so, you know, first I'm told you, you know, Frederick Kaluluman. I know I've done a bachelor's degree in development. And I go, oh. Attention, eh? And I know. But then I was still pursuing. Currently, I'm pursuing a master's. <sighs> Suddenly, everyone wanted to listen. I said, oh, so many the key for these guys was just simply doing this. Is somebody getting my, my thought pattern? There are places you only be relevant because of that paper. So please, if currently you are having a hard time in school, you are thinking of quitting. Hallelujah. I don't want you to do it just for yourself. Do it for the sake of others. Do it for those. Listen, the Bible says the Jews demand a sign. There are places that you go to where they don't care what you've studied. They just want miracles. I'm telling you. When I went to Kenya, you think they even cared about any of those things. It was a place in Kenya that we went to. The moment the first miracle happened, they went to call other people in the community. The meeting ended at midnight. Midnight. And then we're woken up at six that they are waiting for you. <laughs> there are places where they just want miracles. The Bible says the Jews demand a sign. The Greeks want wisdom. And I was thinking, why can't we have both? Hallelujah. <laughs> why can't we have both? Why can't we have both? Somebody say glory. It's too much of their big meetings and all we do is give the opening prayer. And then worldly folks who don't have the Holy Spirit come and say everything else. Then afterwards they call us to give the closing prayer. No. We need meetings where they, they sit down, where presidents sit, stand up, and clap for our little girls who are filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you're getting my point. Huh? We, need to, we need to be the ones who we can sit there and we say, can I stand? Can I stand? Yeah. The problem is, uh, I, I don't, think, don't you think we need that? In case you wanted to know, <laughs> you'll be shocked. Do you know how... <laughs> as well. Do you know how many messages I received afterwards? Uh, hello, pastor. Yeah, I'm thinking, ah, these guys want prayer. Pastor, may you please connect me to one of your members? I was like, an entire, an entire organization called me. We hear you are the pastor to this one. We are requesting for her number. I'm thinking, ah, thinking you are inviting me to come preach. But anyways, <laughs> what am I trying to say? It gives you an opportunity to be relevant. The church has to be relevant. We've got work to do, so we have to be relevant. There are certain circles you only meet. That's why I advise anyone who, anyone who feels they've got a calling for ministry, you know what I advise you? Here's my advice. Bible school is okay. But I would advise you to also go into a normal school. With Bible school, you're only with pastors. There's a culture, there's a thought pattern. You'll be shocked. You come to the real world and people don't think like that. 
but the advantage with a normal school is that it's a sample of the population you get to have an idea of how people in the population are you find a school has got its own bar it's got its own this it's got its own this it's got its own that so you get to have an idea of how the population works that's why i advise you not to drop out if you wanted to know where i learned pastoring from it was from being a student because i was a christian who was a student not a student who was a christian education gives you a voice it gives you a voice to be able to speak on certain matters people will ask who are you my first assignment ever at the university i got 38 percent don't laugh and you laugh so my first assignment ever, I got 38%. Do you know why I got 38%? I went to the university so full of life and full of ideas that I didn't know that they didn't really care about what I thought. They wanted me to talk about what Karl Marx thought. So me, I wrote my opinions. Da, 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 da. I didn't cite anyone. I just wrote what I think. Because as far as I was concerned, I was Frederick. I've got a brain. They didn't care about my thoughts. And no one told me what to do. Because me, because they wanted us to wawa as freshers, which you should never do to others. So I didn't realize that they didn't really care what I thought. But have you noticed that the more you climb up the ladder, suddenly, I was in shock. When we reached third year, they are telling me, you're overcoating people. Can you explain to us your thoughts? <laughs> you went to first when I came here, you were telling me you don't like my thoughts. All of a sudden, you want me to explain my thoughts. The more you climb up the ladder, there are certain spheres that you only have a voice when education goes up. Hallelujah. Let's go on. It gives you an opportunity to command a greater income. It gives you an opportunity to command a greater income. There are certain incomes you might not be able to command. Of course, the favor of God is there. That's why I'm saying if God favors you beyond your level, ensure that you also improve yourself. But there are certain incomes you might not be able to command if you do not improve yourself. Because the world wants you to show that you are valuable. So it gives you a command to a certain level of income. That's why there are certain jobs you've gotten now which you are not able to get after grade 12. It's because you are more, according to the worldly system, your value has increased. There's a way they can appreciate you now. And we need you to have bigger incomes. We've got plans for your money. Hallelujah. <laughs> Some of you think we're joking. So you don't know, sometimes I just sit. I think about our building project. I calculate when all of you are graduating. Da, 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 da. So that one, that one. Then I start praying for your jobs in advance. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, I know we are living in a time when everyone is talking about being an entrepreneur. Now, I want us to be honest with ourselves. Let's be honest with ourselves. Eh? You can talk about entrepreneurship without shooting down education. Eh? Bill Gates dropped from Harvard. 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 With no offense, it wasn't Candolo uh, uh, Basic. He dropped off from Harvard. Glory to God. Just entering Harvard in itself on your CV, just saying, I entered Harvard in itself is a big thing. And there's a reason why, if you are to check the people they've hired, most likely they're not dropouts. They've hired educated people. Hey. <laughs> most likely. So let's be honest. We will not all own multinational companies. Some of us 
who have a big position in a multinational company. We can be taught principles of saving and investment and all those things. But the fact is, it's not all our journey. There are some people whose, so, whose access to bigger incomes will be through education. And if we are to be honest, if you are to check the global trends, educated people have more money than the ones who are not. If you are to check the people who are on the streets, most likely they are not educated. So please, just because someone is frustrated with education, don't allow people to shoot you out of this. Someone can make you drop out of second year. I know someone who was very good at certain, in a certain field, then they read too many stories, dropped out. No, I'm going to go start my own thing. It's not worked. It's not worked. Has someone gotten my point? It gives you an opportunity to command a certain income. And we need everyone in this place to command a certain level of income. Imagine what we can do. Imagine the crusades we can have. Imagine the places we can invite ourselves to. If everyone in this place is commanding a certain level of income. Imagine how our partnership Sundays would be. Hallelujah. If everyone is commanding a level of income. Hallelujah. Okay. And so, here is a point that might get you thinking. If education is one of the keys to fulfilling a heavenly vision, someone is saying, oh, Apostle, what are you talking about? God tells Moses to build an ark. God gives him interesting and complicated designs. What does God tell him? There is a man who has filled the spirit of wisdom to be able to design for you. So God gives a vision, but he needed, Moses needed to have people who were skillful to fulfill a heavenly vision on earth. That's why I was speaking at the leadership seminar. We were talking about how as a church, our assets are not just in terms of physical things. Our assets are in terms of the skill set. And I was saying, I was, telling that, I was telling them, saying, if one of our people learns how to connect cables, then the skill set of the church has increased. If we've got five people who've studied IT, then the skill set of the church has increased. We've had cases in church where maybe someone passes out and whatnot. I haven't even been called to pray for them. They've just called someone who's done medicine. Kai here, we don't believe doctors are liars and they're evil. We believe they present facts. <laughs> the one who's a liar is the devil. Amen. And we've just got one or two medical people. Ah, I don't know if you're getting my point. So it means the skill set of the church has increased. So I want you to know this. I know that sometimes in different places, professionals have been shot down on the pulpit. Here we want your professions. We've got use for them. Hey, I said we've got use for them. We've got use for them. We do have use. We've got use for everyone in each field. Hey. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the skill set of the church increases. I was teaching the leadership seminar about two Greek words for power. We had several. One of them was iskus. Another one was euporio. Iskus talks about skills. It talks about skills. And then euporio talks about the means. And so we are saying you can have the dunamis to make the blind see, but you do not have the means to hire a venue to have an overnight to make the blind see. 
or you may not have the skills to be able to manage people after you've made the blind see. So we're talking about how we need to improve in all these areas. And that's why we celebrate anyone who has improved. Because the moment one person improves, we've all improved. It means the skill set has improved. So education increases the skill set of the church. The church has to be very skillful. Very skillful. You know, I was telling, I think I was telling Natasha during her early days of advocacy. I was telling her, saying, I know that some of the environments you guys go to are very interesting environments. You have practicing witches there. In case you think there are no witches in the US, they are there. It's even a religion. I said, you have practice in Satanism. You've got practice in this. You've got practice in this. And, I told, and, and this is what I said. Build a name. Make your name so relevant that they will have no choice. Look at what Ben Carson did. He built a name. He built a name. Whether you don't like his God, whether you don't like how spiritual he is, the fact is that you need him to do the operation on your head. So he's so relevant that he can say, um, we will be praying before an operation. No one will argue. They want him to operate them. Because he's built a name and he's become that relevant. Hallelujah. So I was saying, build a name. The Bible says a good name is to be desired more than riches. So this gives you an opportunity to build a name. You can come to such a place of relevance. You see, it's different. And I say this with no disrespect. But it's different if one of the juniors in a workplace tries to start a fellowship. It's another thing if the CEO says, in this company we pray. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> in this company we pray. Hallelujah. I know someone who was branch manager for one of the banks. Uh, I know because we, we knew each other quite well. And I remember going to the bank and someone was trying to be rude to me. And then she was in her office. So she walks out and says, Man of God! In front of the whole bank. Hey, you should have seen the face of that guy. Uh, sir. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, she invites me to her office to do my banking from there. And she began to tell me how She's made sure they spend 15 minutes in devotion. It's easier when your name is bigger. Hallelujah. We need a name. Because there are certain fields where they will not respect what has happened to us in the secret place. There are certain fields where, have you noticed scripturally, some of the people who made biggest impacts were educated. Have you seen the Apostle Paul? Have you noticed that the Apostle Paul already had skills when it came to writing? Have you read the Apostle Paul's writing? Can you see that the man was skillful? He wasn't just revelatory, he was skillful. Did you see the way he explained the law and the way he explained grace? Because he was a very skillful man. He was already educated in the law. All he needed now was to be Jesusified. And then there's a way he, his brain began to think. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing. It doesn't say be transformed by the removing of your mind. It says the renewing. Hallelujah. It doesn't say be transformed by the removing. Have you observed people like Daniel? Have you noticed the way Daniel could approach King Nebuchadnezzar to give him a prophecy? He goes to him and says, oh king, live forever. He, he knew the systems of that time. He knew how to get to the king. He knew how to talk to the king. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory. So what I'm trying to say is that 
it increases our skill set it increases relevance look one of the best books in the bible for me in terms of one of the books that's really well written is the book of luke and we all know luke was a medical person have you observed the way he described the life of jesus another book that was really good that gave a very good account was the book of matthew that was a tax collector hallelujah have you noticed the good account that he gave of jesus what am i trying to say god has always loved people who he's always loved also to use people who are influential i'm not saying he didn't use those who are not it wouldn't surprise me that god suddenly gets interested in a certain secular artist do you know how many people he has on his instagram hallelujah you think god doesn't like numbers does it surprise you that when jesus wanted disciples he goes to many peter tax collectors why the tax collectors had access to every who didn't know matthew who didn't know the supply of fish peter who do you think didn't know him who do you think didn't know that prostitute he wanted samaria what does jesus do pick one prostitute picked one lady and interesting enough the scripture says she went and told all the men interesting it says all the men <laughs> and then all the men came and says and also they said now we know now we know not because of what you said but because we've heard him speak for ourselves hallelujah so that's why it shouldn't bother you if someone influential gets saved it's, it's a good thing pray for them pray for them to be strong and for them to be discipled well god loves numbers those my, those Instagram followers that Biba uh, has. <laughs> I heard someone say, I think the same young man did a video, I think he was singing Reckless Love. So that people posted, Hi guys, uh, can somebody send me the song Reckless Love by Justin Bieber? <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> he, he probably has a larger following than the one who initially sang it but guess what the message still continues hallelujah so it gives you that opportunity now i was reading a book recently i've talked about this but i want to give you three reasons why christians must also be educators i've noticed that we've got less people applying for fields like teaching i know that perhaps it has commanded in certain circles lesser pays but we need more Christian teachers. We need more Christian educators. I was reading a book recently called Animal Farm. Now, I never got the chance to read it in high school because I never did literature. So I got curious. I used to hear about it a lot. So I decided to read it. And how many of you read it? I hope you remember. How many of you remember that the secret to Napoleon defeating Snowball was that Napoleon had the dogs behind him? How did Napoleon got the dogs? He trained them while they were young. He educated them. So he was their educator. While everyone else was focusing on fighting with the old generation, Napoleon decided to educate the young generation. Then that young generation fought for him. Hallelujah. It fought for him. That's why you notice most revolutions, they've targeted the younger ones. That's why you notice God wants to do something new. He targets those who are young at heart. I'm not saying just at age. Young at heart. Because when you're young at heart, you always want to learn more. Hallelujah. Because the five-year-olds are the next 35-year-olds. 
those gentlemen you see coming to park their cars picking up little girls or onza are simply doing what they used to do when they were 22 and 23 they just have more money so they've got more market hallelujah <laughs> what am i trying to say we must be educators we we need believers who can go into this field of education go into the fields of teaching lecturing being consultants, being trainers, because you can instill values in people. You, you know, you can be teaching a very secular topic, but you skillfully find a way to pass one or two comments and people walk out thinking about it. Not only that, earlier this year, I was lecturing for a while. And the people that I was lecturing were all significantly older than me. I mean significantly. And the setting was different because they were not coming to me as a man of God. They were coming to me as Mr. Kaluluma. And interestingly enough, they had a few weeks. I had to teach them what they had been carelessly handled. So I had to teach them in a few weeks and prepare them for exams, which I wasn't going to mark. And so here is something I noticed. Interesting enough, one of the days, one of the people comes and says, Mr. Kaluluma, I hope you are, I think they were trying to get me to really, really teach them for the exam. I hope what you are teaching is what will come in the exam. You know us, we are your children. I'm telling you. <laughs> and none of them disagree. <laughs> like, and these were all senior to me. And it's not like these are the spiritual circles for no, this one's my spirit. No, nothing. You know us, we are your children. You, you, need, you need to ensure that we pass. There is a respect that was accorded to me because they knew that they needed me to pass. So if I walked in and said, can you all be quiet? <laughs> Everyone would be quiet. And these were different kinds of people, different fields, the police, the what, the what. By the way, they all passed. So now, uh, <laughs> all of them. I mean, if we can understand spiritual concepts, what more earthly ones? They all passed. But I, I observed there was a respect that was given to me. Can you imagine there are people right now? How many of you have been there before where you've been in a lecture and the lecturer spends 10 minutes mocking people who are born again? How many of you have been there before? I have. He'll come first crack jokes about born again people. How much more if the lecturer is you? You've got access to 400 people at once. Before you go to lecture, you've spoken and, and you speak and then you get a word of knowledge as you are speaking. You're saying, okay, no, as we are beginning this class, before I can introduce development to you, I know there are some people here who are going through a hard time and you encourage them. It may, you, may, you may even do it in a coded way, but because you're speaking the oracles of God, your wisdom can't be resisted. And before you know it, after the class, five people say, Sir, may I meet you? Or madam, may I meet you in your office? And before you know it, someone comes and they open up about what's going on in their lives. And you lead them to the Lord. Before you know it, you've gotten five disciples who've led five others, who've led five others, who've led five others. <laughs> have you noticed that most schools which have got a powerful scripture union have got a born-again teacher? As in, there's, that, there's just that teacher who is born again. You know that one with a hoarse voice? I don't know if you're getting my point. <laughs> That one who says, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's just that teacher. He's the one who goes to the administration and says, give them that room. He's the one who says, give them that hall for an overnight. And you know, recently I received a message. I was touched. I received a message from, I've received, some of you, how many of you are with me? 
when I was in the car, I think my phone was on loudspeaker, and I received a call from Dollar Girls. Some of you are with me, eh? And I received a call from a little girl on Dollar Girls, and she says, Hi, someone here came with your book. We've all read it. We've all read it. If you can just come to preach to us, if you can just come, I'm telling you. And I've received message after message. I don't know. One person went to Dollar Girls with one of my books. I don't know how many of them have read it. And I was thinking if you can get them early. Recently, I was preaching at David Kaunda National Technical School. Some of you are with me. And I'm telling you, I was preaching there. By the time it was done, my God, my God, my God. And I realized, oh my goodness, we are playing. This is where the people are. And they come from different places, different provinces. So you can give them a message that they can spread out to that side. I said, oh my God, we are playing. We need to do what Napoleon did. How many of you know the person who's got the most Instagram followers in the world? It's not Cristiano. Is it Cristiano Ronaldo now? She's, he's overtaken Selena Gomez. I thought it's Selena Gomez. Okay, between Selena Gomez and Cristiano Ronaldo, all I know is that there was a point last year when Selena Gomez had the most Instagram followers in the world. Do you know why? Because she was first a TV star for children. So people have grown up with her. How come she's got more Instagram followers than Denzel Washington? <laughs> because if you get to people when they are young, there's an attachment they have to you. I'm telling you, there are certain people who right now when I meet them, because they taught me much, I, I still call them sir. I can't call them by their first name. I can't even think about calling them by their first name. Not even in an example. I should go there and say, John, no. <laughs> have you confirmed whether it's Selena? Who's number two? Selena Gomez. I, I tried. Then he's overtaken. Has somebody got it my point? Because when you grow up to pe with people, you get attached to them. So we need more Christians in the education sector. We need more of them. There are some of us, we are doing other sectors, but we know we can do some part-time lecturing. Don't just do it for the money. You can also do it for the influence. You can, can you imagine all of a sudden you can have 400 people who know you? Before you know it, they've searched for you on Facebook. Before you know it, they've seen the church flyer you've posted. Before you know it, they've visited church and they get saved. I know people in this place. I know people in this place who only got saved because one of their lecturers posted a church flyer. One in the protocol department whose name I won't mention. I'm serious. And, they, and, and I've seen certain messages they've sent us. They've said, thank you. You are an example to us. We need to clean up that system. Another reason why we must be educators is I've mentioned educators have access to shaping the next generation. And then educators are among the greatest role models. And remember, because we don't just teach knowledge and skills, because we teach values, we need to ensure that educators are teaching values whose source is God. We've got an opportunity to train people and teach them values. There's another part I've gotten to, but I won't get to today. 
it has to do with how God's grace is sufficient for us to for us to transform this field Daniel was already smart but then the Bible says God gave him wisdom 10 times better than the others so if you're listening to me I want to tell you something you're listening to me and you're born again it is impossible and I'm setting it as a law in your heart you may have had difficulties before but now I'm telling you it's impossible for you to fail to understand natural things when you've understood such a spiritual thing as being born again if you can understand heavenly things how much more natural you will never fail again no one here will ever fail it's not possible listen if you've had a bad experience that experience does not replace what God's word has said about you because the spirit there's a spirit in man that makes him intelligent the word therefore intelligent means makes him able to understand concepts leaders I said please I want an academic seminar I've, I'm getting a lot of reports sometimes from some of our people and they're saying they're struggling with school so I want an academic seminar I'll speak I'll have a few other speakers well so we look at different ways in which people can improve themselves in this area because someone would say why would the church hold an academic seminar we know the impact they'll make if they improve in that area but God's grace is sufficient God can give you grace while you are ten times better I once had a dream some people have asked me how do I do so many things at once I had a dream and in the dream the Lord came and gave me a message and said from today you walk in the anointing for productivity productivity simply talks about the amount of output that you get per unit of input for example two hours of studying gets you a B now if your productivity increases then one hour of studying will get you an A that's that's an example of productivity one hour of advertising gets you five customers if your productivity increases one hour of advertising will get you 52 customers so what's been my point today my point is we are not as believers we're not going to leave the education sector to run itself what we're going to do is we've got a plan we're going to become relevant we'll keep improving ourselves we'll come to a place where when we say okay now we are having a meeting for the top lawyers in zambia half of them are born again spirit filled thanks speaking hallelujah and then someone says lawyers we need to give our opinion on whether gay laws should be passed it's not even an it's not it's not even an issue it's not even subject to discussion do you know that a person who has prioritized values there are certain things they won't even leave to discussion they won't even reason with you that's why have you noticed that countries that have got, have got people who still hold by the way tradition is still very good it just has to be you know sanctified but have you noticed that countries that have got people who have got a very strong traditional tie they're just certain things they won't even listen to Ban Ki-moon came here he tried couldn't <laughs> one of the worst attempts they tried Zimbabwe they failed <laughs> there they were told off hallelujah <laughs> there they were told off what am I trying to say now imagine that imagine you've got three quarters of parliament i'm not saying they're all from this church but they're from the body of christ three quarters of parliament even before they are going their pastors have already even sent a text saying i hope where you're going there a village otherwise they'll be disciplined this side is somebody getting my point <laughs> you know imagine such a place 
That leads us to next week's, which is the mountain of government. I pray you've been blessed.